Blessed be the name of the Lord. You may be seated in Jesus' name. We're going to go directly to the word of the Lord tonight. And uh, I want to speak to you this evening on the subject, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. The Bible tells us in the book of Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so I want to take us there and I want us to read what the Bible says concerning the joy of the Lord in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 and we're going to begin reading at the 8th verse. The scripture says this, so they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Now I want you to notice what that's saying. They read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That was all very intentional on the parts of the on the part of the Levites and the scribes and Nehemiah himself, who was the the Bible calls him the Tirshatha or the governor, and uh, he was promoted to the role of governor from cupbearer, and and he had this responsibility. To explain to them what was the law of God. And to explain to them distinctly, the Bible says. And to give the sense, to give them the understanding uh, of the law of God. Now that was important. That was important because uh, the children of Israel up to this time had been in captivity for a long period of time. And being in captivity for such a long period of time, they were not able to maintain their identity the way God intended for them to maintain their identity. These were the chosen people of the Lord. And now they've been in captivity for a while, and they were not able to do the things God had commanded them to do, or, or I should say they did not do the things God commanded them to do. So this is the first time many of them are ever reading or hearing read the law of God. But they were supposed to have this read to them every year. The law of God was something the Israelites were supposed to be very familiar with. But because they had been in captivity for so long, the law of God was not read in their hearing. They did not know it as well as they should have known it. And so they are sitting down, positioning themselves, pad and paper in hand, ready to hear this law that God gave to their fathers so many years prior, for the first time they're going to hear it. And so they do, and notice what happens in verse number 9. Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha, the governor, Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, Listen, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. When they heard the words of the law for the first time and for so long, it was not welcome news. It was quite daunting. To hear the law read in their hearing was shocking to them. All it did was show them how far they were from the Lord. All it did was explain to them how really uh, low they were as a person. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites 
stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. Notice this. And all the people went their way to eat, to drink, to send portions, and to make great mirth, happiness. Because they, and here's why and how. Because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. When a person first comes in contact with the word of God, it can be a very daunting proposition. Because it shows them how far they are from God, how imperfect they are, how broken they really are. How many know that when you read the word of God and it starts describing this good man in the book of Proverbs that you're like, well, wouldn't that be nice to be that kind of a person? And, and this good man that the book of Proverbs describes is what you and I want to be, but we find ourselves falling short of it so many times. It's important that you have the understanding of the word so that you can have joy when you read the word. Because that good man in the book of Proverbs, that good man is the Lord Jesus Christ. That good man that the book of Proverbs is describing, is defining, is, is describing the Lord Jesus himself. He's describing man in the image of God. He's describing the express image of God's person. That's who the book of Proverbs is describing. He's describing the Messiah who is coming. Jesus said this when he said to the Pharisees, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. What he meant by that is, let's take the book of Proverbs again. A good man whose steps are ordered of the Lord, a good man who guides his affairs with discretion, a good man who's got a good name and a good reputation, a man who, who treats people right, a man who makes wise decisions, a man who is so, I mean, this, this man is perfect that Solomon is describing. And so Jesus said to the Pharisees, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And by that he meant you go search those scriptures and you think that if you do everything that the Bible tells you to do, then you're going to, you're going to have eternal life. And yet you and all your fathers have been trying all these years to do everything the Bible tells you to do and you fall short. Because you don't understand it. It's talking about me, not you. He said, the scriptures are they which testify of me. Everything that you're reading about this perfect person is me. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go live that life that the Bible prescribes. That the Bible dictates. That the Bible requires. I'm going to go live that life. And then I'm going to call you away from your sinful habits. I'm going to call you away from your carnality. And then, I, that's called repentance, by the way. You're going to step away from those things, which is going to allow me to fill you with my spirit, wash your sins away. I just quoted Acts 2.38. Did you hear me? I just quoted Acts 2.38. I'm going to wash your sins away, fill you with my spirit, and then you're going to start living the life described by the word of God. Not by your might, not by your power, but by the spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, and, and the, the, the quicker you realize that it's not going to be by your own willpower. And it's not going to be by your own determination that you are able to live the life prescribed by the word of God. But that it will only be lived when you surrender to Jesus Christ 
the sooner you realize that, the better off you will be and the more peace and joy you will have. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you just decide, you know what? Lord, I can't do anything. Even when I try. Listen, this is how messed up I am. Even when I do my best and I mean good, I'm doing good. And I'm living right and living holy. And I'm able to really make good and wise decisions. Then I start feeling proud about how I'm messed up. We are messed up people because even when, we, even when we do the things that we're supposed to do, we start taking pride in how good we do them. It's not by your might or your power. You have to have a total surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you start living holy and start living righteous. And because you know it's not you, it's him, you don't get proud or arrogant, conceited or boastful. You boast in the Lord. My boast is in the Lord. My boast is in the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. You know why the humble will hear thereof and be glad? The humble refers to those who know they have no hope. The humble refer to those who know they cannot do this. The humble is a reference to those who have just absolutely thrown their hands up and said, I can't do it. So when we come along and we say, look, I'm walking the straight and narrow way. God's on my side. He's helping me, giving me strength every day. I'm making wise choices. I, I just keep making wise choices. And when I don't make a wise choice, then I, I, I pick myself up by the power of God and he dusts me off and sends me on my way again. And life is good and life is grand. And the humble looks at that and it gives them hope they become glad because they realize if God can do it for them God can do it for me and I want you to know God can do it for everybody God can do it for everybody don't you let the accuser of the brethren come along and whisper in your ear and tell you there's no hope for you Jesus paid it all Jesus did it all he already lived the life you are required to live now all you got to do is surrender to him and he'll live it through you <laughs> That's what Paul means when he says to yield your, the members of your body as instruments of righteousness. Your body and the members of your body become instruments of righteousness. Let's take a musical instrument for, for example. It, it, your, your body becomes like a musical instrument that the Lord is playing and he's just taking your hands and your feet and your mouth and your eyes. And he's, he's leading you and guiding you. And he's bringing beautiful music from you. Praise God. So, so they understood the law. When they first heard the law. Listen, that first hearing of the law is important. That first hearing of the law is the moment you realize you have no hope. That's what the preaching of righteousness is. The preaching of righteousness is to let everybody know you have no hope. You have to get that before hope is presented. You have to understand sin is lethal. Sin is deadly. Sin will send you to hell. You got to know what hell is. You have to know we're all going there without Jesus Christ. And once you really fully hear the words of the law and it causes you to weep when you hear the words of the law, then, then the, the Levite, the scribe, 
the Tirshatha in Nehemiah 8, they can come along and say, now let me give you the understanding of what you just read. So all you read about in the, let's go back to the book of Proverbs and just talk real quick about that good man in the book of Proverbs who just seems to have it all together. When you first hear about him, all you can think about is the fact that that is not you. And that needs to settle in on you. You need to look at this Bible and realize just how, how, how far short you come from it. When we look at this word of God, we, we need to take a good look. The Bible says it's like a mirror. And that, that when you're looking at it, you're looking, you're, you're looking at yourself. But because it's so perfect, all you can see are your flaws. How many got one of those big magnify mirrors? Don't go look in that thing. Just don't go do it. it you, you'll, have to, you'll have to come back in and we'll have to talk about the joy of the Lord again. Because it reveals every flaw. It reveals every blemish. And that's what the word of God will do. You'll start reading about this good man and the way he lives his life and the way he treats others and how his home is and how his job is and how people look upon him and how they praise him. And, and you'll be looking at it and you'll be like, man... I could never be that. And you are so right. Unless you realize that that perfect man is Jesus. And he's going to empower you through his blood and through his word and through his name and through his spirit. And then you're actually going to start living the life prescribed and described in the word of God. I love that. I love that. Prescribed and described. The scribes are the one that laid it out. It has to do with script. To prescribe means before, before the fact. And to describe means that it actually takes it, 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 it's not just a page anymore, but it actually is settled in your mind. That's why when you're describing something to someone, you are, you are painting a picture for them that does not require them reading it on script. You're describing it. You're taking away the need to read about it. You're, you're putting it in their heart. And that's what, that's what the word of God will do. It'll, it, will, it will describe it to you. It will, it'll move it from a, a page and, and actually put the page on your soul. And it'll be written in your heart. Amen. So, so they understood the law and the, they went from weeping to rejoicing. Understanding did that. Knowing what this is really saying did that. They lifted their voices and they mourned and they wept and they grieved when they heard the words of the law and then they began to understand the law and, and, and they stopped mourning and they stopped weeping and they stopped grieving and the Bible said they made mirth which means they were merry. They were happy. They had joy. And the scripture said the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I feel tonight that somebody needs the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord. And I want you to take note of that. It is not, the Bible does not say joy is your strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the joy of the Lord is something you and I need. You can't have strength without the joy of the Lord. How many need strength here tonight? Amen. Glory to God. I tell you what, you watch the news and you're going to need some strength. You pay attention to what's going on in our world, you're going to need some strength. 
You, you pay attention to what, what, the, what the naysayers are saying. You're going to need strength. If you pay attention to, to the global dynamics of, of how things are shaping up, you're going to need strength. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus and let the joy of the Lord fill your soul. And I, and I want to take a moment and just really help us to understand really quick what the joy of the Lord is. And then I want us to understand how we can rest in the joy of the Lord and let the joy of the Lord become a part of our life and lead our emotions, lead the way we live our life. First of all, we have to understand what is the joy of the Lord. The Bible talks about the joy of the Lord. The Bible talks about it, and I want to just really quick go through some of that. The parable of the five wise virgins and the five, uh, pardon me, the parable of the five talented servant and the two talented servant and the one talented servant. Uh, the Bible says that the five talented and the two talented invested their, uh, their talents wisely. Matthew chapter 25. But it says that the one talented servant did not. He invested his in the earth. He buried it. He did not value the one talent. Even though the master gave it to him, the master did value it. Don't ever undervalue what God has given you. Amen. God does not undervalue what he has given you. He knows the power of what he has given you. And I know that that one talented servant could have looked over at the five talented servant and been envious. Well, I could do that too if I had five talents. I could do that too if I had two talents. But he gave me this measly old one talent. And I like to say it this way. Don't underestimate the power of one. The Lord our God is one. He knows the power of one. And he doesn't undervalue it. And he gave it to you on purpose. And if you'll multiply it, it depends on what you multiply it by that determines how effective and effectual one really is. If you multiply it by anything, it becomes that thing. So if you multiply that one talent by God, hallelujah, God begins to operate purely through that talent. And this, this five-talented servant and this two-talented servant, they passed the test. They invested their talents, this currency that was given to them. And they were able to, uh, they were able to profit from it. And so the Bible says the master came back. And notice what he says. He's going to illustrate what happens when a person does do uh, what the Lord calls them to do. And, and contrast that to what happens to a person when they don't do what the Lord has instructed them to do. When a person... Uh, has done what the Lord has told them to do and is obedient, then that person in the parable of Matthew 25 of the five, two, and one talented servants, the Lord, the master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Then he said this, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now, to the one talented servant, he said, thou wicked and slothful servant, and said, you'll be cast into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth. But he said, to those who had invested wisely and had obeyed the Lord, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then to illustrate heaven, he said, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now, in the parable of the lamb, uh, that was uh, sought after by the uh, good shepherd. The good shepherd looked for the one lost lamb, left the 99 in the wilderness, went for that one lost lamb, and brought the lamb back on his shoulders. And, and when he did, he brought the lamb back home. 
to the, to the, other, uh, to the rest of the fold. And the Bible says this, that he called his neighbors together and rejoiced. And the Bible said there was great joy. And so shall there be joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Then he moves on to the next parable. And he says concerning the next parable that there was a woman that had ten coins. And this woman with ten coins. And we're still talking about the value of one. One lost lamb and one lost coin. So, so notice that God is interested in one. He is not willing that any should perish. Glory to God. She has ten coins and loses one of them. Now, somebody might say, she's got nine coins. You know, don't be, don't be a diva. Just be glad you've got nine coins. But she's like turning the house over, flipping the house over, pushing furniture over, pulling rugs up, looking. She finds that one lost coin. And she calls her neighbors together. And when they come together, the Bible says they rejoiced. And that there was joy. And then he said, so shall there be joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. And then the Bible talks about a father and a prodigal son who went, wasted his substance, lived riotously, came back home. The father watched for him, saw him from a far way off. The young man had lived horribly and, and had completely uh, defiled himself. But when he came back, the father greeted him and the father said, we're going to make merry. We're going to have joy. Go slay the fatted calf because my son that was dead is now alive. Even when the elder brother had an issue with it, he said, you have ever been with me, but my son which was dead is now alive. This is a clear reference to the power of God's resurrection, that God brought him out of that pit of despair and, and raised him up to be restored to sonship. And so we see the fall of man and we see the restoration of man uh, in the story of the prodigal son. Now, uh, look with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to keep talking about joy. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I just want to, this is following the great faith chapter. It's actually, it's actually a continuation of the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. And, and in reference to all of these great uh, characters, names that were mentioned in Hebrews 11, the writer says in Hebrews chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses, there are so many who have run this race. There are so many who have passed this test. We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, notice this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For consider him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider him, the Bible says. Consider him and run your race with patience. 
Lay aside every weight. Lay aside the sin that doth so easily beset us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy. He despised that shame. We've got to know that about the Lord. He despised the shame. I think sometimes we think that he was going to do this, and so he just did it. But, but you and I forget about the agony of Gethsemane. And we forget about the, 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 the hell, really, that was Calvary. He was experiencing the torment of hell as he is crucified there upon that cross because he was made to be sin who knew no sin. And the Bible said that he descended into the lower parts. Praise God. And so we understand that what he was experiencing was the basest of what death and the grave had to offer. He tasted death for every man. He was numbered with the transgressors. It pleased the Father that on him should the iniquity of us all be upon him. It pleased the Father to bruise him, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He despised that shame, but he endured the cross. How did he endure the cross? For the joy. Where was the joy? Before him. He was looking past the pain to the joy. He was looking past the blood to the joy. He was looking past the agony to the joy. He was looking past the thorns to the joy. Everything that he despised and had to endure, he did so by looking to the joy that was set before him. And I want you to understand, this helps us to see what is the joy of the Lord. One more item. When God spoke to Job and, and from the whirlwind and said to him, asked him so many heart piercing questions take the time to read job chapters 38 39 40 and 41 and 42 these amazing chapters where god speaks to job from the whirlwind and and demands of him an answer and says to gird himself like a man and instruct the almighty it's when he asks him for the meaning of the constellations because Job had referenced the constellations whilst he defended himself to his accusers and to his comforters. He mentioned the constellations and the Lord came to him and said, oh yeah, why don't you tell me about those constellations since you know so much about them. He said, tell me about the constellations and furthermore, tell me about Leviathan. Canst thou draw Leviathan out with a hook? Can you put the hook in his jaw? Can you pull him up into your boat? You're going to be able to control him, Job? Do you know how to do that? Are you capable of doing that? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I created all that you see around you? He asked him questions like this. He said, hath the rain a father? How does the dew distill? Explain these things to me. You have just, you've just defended yourself. Your comforters were off. Your accusers were off base. But in your defense of yourself to them, you made some pretty strong claims about, about who you are and what you understand. And I'm just telling you, I'd like you to explain it to me. And it's what humbled Job. It's what brought Job down. And Job had to say, God, forgive me. I, I, and then God said, I'm not done talking to you. 
And he started speaking again for a whole other chapter. And, and it was at the end of that that Job said, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And so one of the things God said to him that I think is worth noting, God said, where were you when the morning stars sang together? Where were you when the sons of God shouted for joy? God, God knows things about eternity we don't know. This is why his ways are above our ways. And his thoughts are above our thoughts. This is why we trust his wisdom completely. Because he knows things we don't know. And he said, where were you, Job, when the sons of God shouted for joy? Because I remember the sons of God shouting for joy. Now, I'm not going to get up here and tell you I understand all that. Lest he come down to me in the form of a whirlwind. And say, instruct the Almighty. I'm just going to tell you that God spoke of a time where there was joy. Joy. And morning stars were singing. And sons of God were shouting for joy. And I think that helps us understand why when one sinner repents, all the angels rejoice. And there is joy. I think that helps us to understand what it means that when we cross the threshold from this fallen earth into a heavenly city and God says you are now entering into the joy of thy Lord. <laughs> I, I think that helps us to understand a little bit better what Jesus saw before him when he was enduring the cross Despising the shame, all for the joy that was set before him. Because what he was doing was making right the thing that broke his creation, that divided his children, that, that, that struck down the man made in his image, and he was making it right. He was restoring, he was reconciling, he was bringing it all back. Back to where it needed to be. That was the joy that was set before him. That was the joy the angels rejoice over. That was the joy that the good shepherd brought his neighbors together to shout about concerning one lost lamb being restored to the ninety and nine. That's the joy. That's the joy. Hallelujah. That's why God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's why in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word was made flesh. All for the joy. Now my joy now my joy is all complete. It is joy unspeakable.
and full of glory. Hallelujah. That's what this thing is. Listen, listen, listen to me. When the devil tries to get you down, when the devil tries to make you afraid, when the enemy tries to depress your faith, when the enemy comes in like a flood and tries to make you feel worse than how you should feel, you hear what I'm telling you. Get your eyes on the joy. There's a day coming. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond where the saints of God shall soon the glory share hallelujah Hallelujah. my God there'll be a day when your body does not get diseased there'll be a day when your body does not get weary there'll be a day when the chemistry of your body will never be off kilter there will be a day when you will step up out of that grave and you will no longer be dead but you'll be made to live again forevermore In a new body, in a new body, in a new body. In a resurrected body. When you grieve, hallelujah, seek for the joy. When you're suffering, seek for the joy. Hallelujah, seek for the joy set before you. When you are having a hard time just getting through that day, seek for the joy. Praise God. Don't go to the spirits. Let God fill you with real joy. Don't try to drink it away. Let God fill you with real joy. Don't try to shoot it into your arm or smoke it in a joint. You let God fill you with real joy. Holy Ghost joy. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Joy, joy, joy like a river. Joy bells ringing in my soul. Joy. Glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. My, my, my. My, my, my. Let me tell you how to have this joy on on a gray Wednesday. Let me tell you how to have this joy. Glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. First thing you've got to know is Psalm 16, verse 11. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. That's where it's at. That's where it always is. My God. You won't find it in the club. You won't find it in that illicit relationship. You won't find it in that sinful habit. You won't find it there. Those things will mimic it. Those things will create some kind of a false allure. They will set before you a temptation, a mirage. And they'll try to tell you that something exists there that does not exist there. But it is a short-lived pleasure. The Bible calls it pleasure that lasts for a season of time. That's how you know it's a fake pleasure. 
My God, because pleasure doesn't last for a season of time. Pleasure lasts forevermore. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's how you know what is real and what is fake. That's how you know what is good and what is bad. What is wrong and what is right. What is truth and what is error. Because if it lasts for a moment and then drops you into a hangover, into a crash, into regret, into, into remorse, that's fake pleasure. Trying to look like something that it isn't. But in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. It's in his presence. So, so how are we going to get into his presence? I, I want to take you now to Psalm 100 and verse number 4. So we now know where the joy is. The joy is in his presence. You've got to be in his presence. And, of course, we understand that in his, in his presence, that's, that's Jesus. That's repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. But let me tell you something. You can obey Acts 2.38, and you're still in a fleshly body. You still need to be strengthened. You still need to be encouraged. You still need the Lord to give you joy. Psalm 100, verse 1. Let's just, let's just say it. Make a joyful noise Whew, unto the Lord. My God, have mercy. Make a joyful noise. Don't let the weight of this world weigh you down. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Open up your mouth and begin to give God praise. Open up your mouth and begin to give him glory that he is due. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Shake off those heavy bands. Walk up out of those shackles and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Huh. My God. 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 I'm going to tell you something. When we went through this pandemic, this was an opportunity for the spirit of Antichrist to raise its head. And, and people were willing to do the responsible thing when they could. They, nobody wanted to spread the virus and everybody's trying to be careful and whatnot. And, and of course there were mask mandates and all sorts of things that were causing all kinds of contention. And, and there was, then, then, then the old spirit of Antichrist gave itself away. When in certain parts of our country they said you've got to, you can come to church but they said, you're, you're going to wear a mask. Okay, all right, people, people, we're, we're going along with that. And they said, and you can't sing. And that's when people said, wait a minute. See, I was, going, I was understanding the need for certain things. But when you said you can't sing, my Bible tells me, commands me, commands me to sing. See, I understand people were, saints of God were willing to say, look, I want to I be careful and I want to protect everybody around me. But I'm going to have to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I'm going to have to sing unto the Lord a new song. And I'm going to have to give praise unto my God. 
My God, that's one thing the devil will try to but can never take from you, and that's your soul. Don't let him have that. Don't let him have that. He'll lock you up in jail and throw away the key, Paul and Silas. But you've got a song. I've got, I've got a joyful noise. I can make a noise. I, I, he didn't even say utter words here. This is something everybody can do. He didn't even say form the words. He just said make a noise. Make a joyful noise. If that noise is a hand clap, clap your hands. If that noise is a grunt, a groan, a song, a testimony, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Make a noise that is full of joy. Hallelujah. Serve the Lord with gladness. My God. I didn't just come to serve the Lord. I came to serve the Lord with gladness. Woo! He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I'm going to serve him all the days of my life, and I'm going to do so cheerfully. It is a cheerful thing to give praise unto the Lord. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Know ye. Ooh, I like that. Know ye. That's the psalmist's way of saying you better believe this. Know ye that the Lord. He is God. It is he that hath made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. Don't let your head hang low. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. My God, I, I, I'm among his people. And we're the sheep of his pasture. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My God, my God, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now that we understand these things, he says this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. Three reasons. One, the Lord is good. Two, his mercy is everlasting. And three, his truth endureth to all generations. Three things for which to be thankful. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth through all generations. He said, enter into his gates. So here's how you get into the presence of the Lord. Just, it's, a, it's Wednesday afternoon. It's gray outside. You've got so much on your schedule. You've got things going wrong. You're responding to one crisis after another. And you feel far from God. And you need the company of the believers. You need joy. You need strength. You need something to come and lift you up out of this pit of despair. But, but notice what the scripture said. He said, this is how you do it. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving. 
His gates can be anywhere. As long as you've got this key of thanksgiving. If you've got this key of thanksgiving, all you've got to do is, is use this key. And the gates of God will open up before you. You can get into the presence of God at any time, any place, anywhere. Listen, I know it can be an awkward transition. It can be an awkward segue. You're frustrated. You're venting. You're complaining. Everything's going wrong. You're, you're on the verge of tears. You're about to break down mentally and emotionally. And the last thing you want to do is pretend like you're spiritual. So, so you don't have to. You, you, this is how you transition. Thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I'm breathing right now. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not dead yet. I mean, if you got to start at the bottom of the barrel, start at the bottom of the barrel. But you just start thanking him wherever you are and for whatever you can think of. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I'm still in my right mind. Thank you, Lord, that I've got food on my table. Thank you, Lord, that I've got a roof over my head. Thank you. I'm going to tell you, you'll start finding more reasons to thank him. And before you know it, you'll be right in the middle of the presence of the Lord. You'll be standing in the presence of God in the fullness of joy. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his healing power. Thank God for a heavenly home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. I know sometimes it can be awkward to start praying, but when you enter with thanksgiving and you enter with praise, it's going to be awkward to stop because you're just going to want to keep on praising his name. You're just going to want to keep on giving him thanks. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. My God, you can stand with me. You can stand with me. My God, God's doing something. He's making us a people of joy. He's making us a people of joy. Hallelujah. He's making his face to shine upon us. Hallelujah. My God, have mercy. I said he's making his face to shine upon us. He's making his countenance to shine upon us. And you mark my words. My God, have mercy. I've just come to tell you, what we went through in 2020 and, and in 2021 as it relates to the church and responding to pandemic and global uncertainty and unsettledness, it was to teach the church and to prepare the church for the darkness. Because we learned some stuff. We learned some things. We sure did. And we won't make mistakes in the future that we may have made even just a little over a year ago. 
because we've learned some things. And God couldn't get it through our skull before he allowed this to unfold. But God took us through a valley because he said, I need you to be ready. Because as the world grows darker, the church is going to shine brighter. I said, as the world grows darker, the church is going to shine brighter. Don't you be afraid. Don't you be afraid. Have joy. Have joy. Have joy. My God. The joy. The joy, the joy, the joy, the joy is set before us. The joy is set before us. Look, look over yonder and you'll see the good shepherd with a lamb around his neck. Look over there and you'll see a lady dancing out of her house with one coin in her hand. I found it. I found it. There's joy. It's time for joy. It's time for joy. Joy in my hands, joy in my feet, joy in my mouth, joy, joy in my soul. Thank you, Jesus. My God, some of you are waiting for the music to start, to start dancing. You don't have to wait for music. You can dance right now. You can shout right now. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. We rebuke anxiety in the name of Jesus. We rebuke depression in the name of Jesus. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the oppression of the enemy off of you in the name of Jesus. You are the joy of the whole earth. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Beautiful for situation. My God. Somebody needs to come down dancing right now. Somebody needs to rejoice in the Lord right now. Somebody needs to say, God has given me gladness. God has given me gladness. God has given me joy. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Hallelujah. All over me. Yes, Lord. Woo. Delivering me, I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost. All over me. Yeah, Lord. Delivering me, I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel the joy of the Lord coming. 
I feel the joy of the Lord. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost. I've been set free, so pardon me a moment while I have a jubilee. That's the joy of the Holy Ghost. Well, it's all over me. Yeah, Lord. I feel the joy of the Lord. Yeah, Lord. I feel the joy of the Lord. Delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's it. Put your hands together. Woo. Yes, Lord. Come on, that's it. Woo. My, 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 my. Come on, now stomp your feet a little bit. Hallelujah. Yeah, Lord. Come on, go ahead and dance before the Lord a little bit. Come on, let's give him a Sunday morning praise on a Wednesday night. Yeah, come on, give him a Sunday morning praise on a Wednesday night. Woo! I want somebody right now that needs victory. You needed it before you walked into this house. And the devil's been beating you up and beating you down. We rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. We trample the lion and the adder. The scorpion and serpent are under our feet. And we've got joy. We've got joy. We've got joy. Look at your neighbor say, I've got joy. I've got joy. Woo! Yes, I feel the joy of the Lord. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost. It's all over me. Yeah, yeah. I feel the joy of the Lord fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me.
us to do before we go tonight I want us to specifically rejoice for being set free specifically for being set free because the devil's been trying to tell you you're bound we're gonna praise God right now because he set me free he set me free he broke the bonds of prison from me Woo. I'm glory bound I'm glory bound I'm glory bound my Jesus to see glory 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 come on that's it praise him praise him you go the Bible says that one seraphim looked to another and said holy 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 is the Lord God hallelujah the whole earth is full of his glory hallelujah I wonder if one can find somebody and just remind them he's holy he's holy he's holy he's holy he's holy if you can just remind somebody before you go tonight he's been good to me he's been better to me than I've been to myself if you can find somebody tonight to let them know he healed my body and he touched my mind. Save me just in time. Woo.